Welcome to the Caregiver Conversations podcast. My name is Antonia Harbin-Lamb, and I am the Program Manager for Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information and resources for caregivers so they can be more successful and effective caregivers. This podcast is being sponsored by the PREVENT Initiative. The PREVENT Initiative funds programs focused on elder abuse and neglect prevention. Today, we will be discussing what caregivers need to know about adult protective services and demystifying the process. Today, I'm happy to have with me Cynthia Farrell. She is special to our program because she is the director of the PREVENT program. Cynthia Farrell is the state administrative manager for the supportive adult services section within the Aging and Adult Services Agency. She has oversight and administration of policies and procedures for two adult service programs, adult community placement and adult protective services. Ms. Farrell now oversees the following programs under aging, which include the Legal Services Developer Program, State Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program, and the Prevent Elder Abuse Prevention Grants. Cynthia Farrell has extensive knowledge about adult service issues, having worked in various roles with progressive responsibilities involving the adult services programs. Ms. Farrell has a total of 28 years with the state of Michigan, with 27 of those years in adult services. Thank you for joining me today, Cynthia. So we'll just jump right in. For those who don't know, can you Tell us about Adult Protective Services, what it is, and when a person should contact APS. It's also known as APS. Yes. Adult Protective Services is a mandated program here in the state of Michigan, and it's for anybody that's 18 years or older, and it requires that you be a vulnerable adult. And we define a vulnerable adult as someone that has a a cognitive, physical, or mental impairment or advanced age, and they're unable to protect themselves due to this impairment or advanced age. And also, we have to have harm. And we will talk about harm as being abuse, neglect, or exploitation. And so our Adult Protective Service Program, it will investigate when there is a referral made concerning a vulnerable adult that there has been a belief or actual harm. I want to um, iterate that it can be a belief. It doesn't have to be actual harm. It can be a belief that harm is occurring from abuse, neglect, or exploitation. And the goal really is for the protection of that vulnerable adult. And we want to ensure that the adult um, is living in a safe and stable situation and that there may be some legal intervention that may be needed if it's, uh, and we would help pursue that. Otherwise, we want it to be least intrusive and least restrictive in our intervention with the client. As to when you should make a contact to APS, I would say whenever you have a belief um, that a vulnerable adult is being harmed, I would go with your gut instincts and make the referral. And in Michigan, you make that referral to our centralized intake number, which is 855-444-3911. And that is a statewide number that 
runs 24 um, hours a day, 365 days a year. The uh, centralized intake number takes referrals for both children and adults, so don't be put off if, you know, when they answer the phone about centralized intake for children and adults, they will take the adult referral at that line as well. Okay, and what types of services does APS provide generally? APS has the ability to help person. We'll do an investigation to make sure that they're protected and safe. That is our our main goal, to make sure that they're safe and protected. Um, And that could take a form of, you know, social protection. It could be financial management that they need help with. Uh, They they may need help with uh, social um, activities. Uh, We'll help with um, housing, um, you know, if they need need, care brought into the home. Uh, we can help with arranging that. We will work with our community partners, especially if something like someone needs, say, a home-delivered meal or they need um, caretaking for their activities of daily living, such as a bath, a me- um, dressing, medic- uh, medication, and also if there's assistance that's needed with their instrumental activities of daily living, which is their meals, their um, uh, shopping, their um, laundry, or if they need um, to go to appointments. Those are just a few of the things that um, Adult Protective Services can help with. We're pretty uh, open to allowing uh, assistance in other areas that come up because you never know what's going to be in a referral. So the the Adult Protective Service worker has leeway to um, ask for an exception for assistance with um, services that may not be the norm, but in this situation might be appropriate. Um, we do help with emergency shutoff notices. We, we um, As long as other avenues have been sought, because our department, Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, does offer assistance for that through their emergency services. But if the person's not eligible, then we can um, help provide services through Adult Protective Services. Well, that's a uh- an exhaustive list of services. I didn't know from my own experience how many services that Adult Protective Services provide. So that's great information, Cynthia. Thank you for that. We really work with our community partners to help connect. We might not provide all the services directly ourselves as as Adult Protective Services, but we would connect them to services in in the community. Um, But there is uh, a lot of of a thousand dollars that can be used for each case in a calendar year um, to help provide services that may not be paid for through another avenue, and we would be the payer of last resort. We have helped, like with uh, bed bug um, ex- extermination. We've helped with, um, uh, you know, like placement. You know, like maybe first or last month's rent. Uh, we get really creative um, in things that people need to remain safe and stable and living in their uh, least restrictive setting. So we kind of try to think outside the box and work with our community partners. Can you tell us what the contact response time after someone has called Adult Protective Services is? Yes, when a person makes a referral to Adult Protective Services at the centralized intake number, the intake person takes the referral um, and then the information is then transferred over to the centralized intake supervisor, and they'll make a determination whether the referral is going to be assigned or denied. And it's going to be based on what I spoke of earlier about if is there vulnerability for the client 
in harm. Um, and if those two criteria are met, then the referral will be sent to the local office to of where the person is residing. And what happens then is that the referral is then assigned to an investigator um, and an APS uh, worker would get that referral. And they have their time frame is within 24 hours of the referral being received. They have to make a contact with either the client or a collateral contact. They can either do that in the first 24 hours, either by phone or in person. And um, we ask that the collateral contact be somebody other than the referring source. So when the person's calling in, we're going to ask at centralized intake, they're gonna ask for other people who are aware of the situation that might be able to provide additional information or could um, verify what the referring source person has said, and we would wanna contact them. And then after that, we have a requirement that the adult services worker must see the client face-to-face. -face. If they, in that first 24 hours, they didn't see him face-to-face, -face, within 72 hours of that referral, they must see that client face-to-face. -face. And they need to see that client alone to be able to interview them and talk with them about the situation and find out what uh, information, um, is, you know, what the situation is that they, from the information we receive from the referral. And then the worker will go from there depending on what the situation determines. Is it accurate and there is some abuse or neglect exploitations going on, then the worker's gonna work with that client and figure out um, a, situ you know, a plan of how to address the situation. Sometimes when they get out there, the information um, doesn't pan out and it's gonna be unsubstantiated. Depend and so the first two things are they have to do a 24 hour some type of contact and 72 hour face to face. And then they have to do a service plan um, within 30 days. And that service plan is for any case that we are substantiating on or they're doing a service plan on a case we may not substantiate on, but we're gonna refer them to services and we're connecting to them services and services are gonna be put into place. So they have 30 days to get that plan together and, and, and get it started. It doesn't have to be completed within 30 days because sometimes services take a little bit longer to get be put in place. And if we're doing a legal intervention where we're gonna do um, something through the probate court, it can take time to get on the, on the, the schedule for a hearing. So, um, but they do have to have the uh, written plan of what the plan is in place within 30 days. If the case is not substantiated and we're not putting any services in, they can close the case once they've completed all their paperwork and submitted it and they can close the case. Otherwise, the case will remain open until the situation has been resolved where services are in place or legal intervention has been instituted. And we wait to close that case until after those things have been completed. So if we connect them to a service for like say home delivered meals, the case is gonna remain open until those services are in place and we see how they're going and that they're, um, and it's resolving the situation. So a case can remain open, you know, less than 30 days or um, our average is usually 90 days. Usually um, sometimes with court cases, they'll go longer, closer to six months before they're closed. Sounds like you do a lot of investigations. Um, I'm just 
you know, speculating here, but can you tell me how many cases does Adult Protective Services typically handle during a year or a time frame? I can tell you I have numbers from last year. We received last year uh, 49,483 referrals, and that was just the number of referrals received in our centralized intake. Of those referrals, we investigated 28,182 of those cases. And so, um, with there, so there, that meant there was 21,000 that were denied, but we did investigate 28,182. And the biggest uh, harm area that we have um, is self-neglect. That's our biggest referral area. And, um, and we get a lot of referrals about people who are choosing not to care for themselves appropriately or live in a situation that um, is safe or that might not meet our standards, but um, it, to their standards, it's okay. But we get a lot of referrals on self-neglect. Um, of those 28,000 cases, we did substantiate uh, 9,300 of them. And have you seen an uptick during this time, during the pandemic? Have you seen an uptick? No, we have not. And Actually, we did see a pretty large dip in the number of referrals from 2019 to 2020, about a thousand less in April. But that was when we were really at the, you know, a height of, you know, what was going on with COVID and the social distancing and things. And uh, our referrals were down. A lot of people were not um, out and about and weren't going to programming or places where people would see them and might think about, oh, maybe I should make a referral on this or not. Uh, they kind of, they dec- they still in decline, but as of August, we're only down 446 referrals from last August. So it was just kind of, it kind of went down for April and May. Uh, uh, in May, we were down 846. But then in June, we were only down 385. July, we were only down 317 from the previous year. So it's kind of leveling out. Um, We're still behind from what we were last year, but not as significantly as it was noted when we first started with the pandemic. Okay. And what type of conversation would you have with a caregiver uh, pertaining to adult protective services if you had to give some information to a caregiver? What would you say? With a caregiver, you want to just be aware of whoever you're caring for, what their needs and preferences are, and making sure that um, you're both on the same page of how you they want their care to be provided to them, because uh, it's really about the client and making it really uh, client-centered, you know, the person-centered piece of the care that you're providing, uh, and make sure that you are aware of those preferences so that there's no misunderstanding or confusion on what um, what's going on with the care provided. And I think really building a strong rapport at, um, with your with whoever you're caring for, so that they you know um, feel comfortable with with you and, and the care that you're providing. And in case they're encountering some abuse or neglect or exploitation by someone else that they, you know, feel comfortable that they could address that with you. 
And I would say to look out for signs and symptoms, it, it, it really depends on the situation, but it, it, for exploitation financial wise, if, if, if your person you're caring for talks about, you know, there's some unknown charges on accounts that they, they didn't make or they have missing bank uh, um, checks, they're out of sequence, um, they're, uh, credit, there's things on credit cards that they didn't do, that, that would be a concern that you would want to talk to them about. Uh, maybe that someone's taking advantage of them financially, and that would be something you could call into Adult Protective Services. I think one of the things, if you're going to be a caregiver, is to learn about abuse, neglect, and exploitation and knowing the signs and symptoms. And we do have a webinar with 11 modules with it specifically designed for our caregiver to learn about abuse, neglect, and exploitation. And they're being done under the Attorney General's Adult um, Elder Abuse Task Force, and they are being taped at this time. There are PowerPoints with voiceover, and the 11 modules cover everything for abuse, neglect, and exploitation. And they last anywhere from seven I say it's 15 minutes is the longest one. It would be a good resource for any caregiver to review. It's pre-recorded and it's a PowerPoint presentation and there'll be voiceover and there is some interaction. There are some questions that are asked to the person to think about it and write down their answer and then going through the situation. And there, one of the modules just goes through a specific situation about caregiver and the person they're caring for and how the person was abused and them telling the caregiver about it and how to respond in that manner. Okay, thank you for sharing that with us, Cynthia. I really appreciate that. Those are some great tips, as well as those training modules can be very helpful to caregivers. Again, thank you for joining us today, Cynthia. If caregivers have more questions in regards to APS, is there somewhere they can reach out to? Or could you provide us with the phone number for Adult Protective Services again? Yeah, the centralized intake number where you would call to make a referral is 855-444-3911. And that is, as I said, is 24-7, 365 days a year. And that's where you would make your referral to. And each local office has a, uh, adult services staff that would respond to those referrals. But we do direct them all to the centralized intake number, and then they get assigned from there. Okay. This is Antonia Harbin-Lamb. Thank you for listening. For more information about our mediation program and more podcasts, please call 313-937-8282 or find us on Facebook at Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. It's where families coming apart come together.